Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And we welcome you if you can join us during the, the broadcast. And if not, it's available on those two outlets and also a whole bunch of different podcast outlets. And we are very happy to be with you. This is a program that's really an extension of the work that we've done for years, Nancy for decades and me for one decade plus, facilitating pet loss support groups. This is an opportunity to bring the information that we took from that experience and compiled into a book. The book is called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And with this new medium, with the magic of, of the technology today, we can extend our reach and we can have a conversation with you. And so we very much invite you to send us your stories, your questions, your recommendations for topics, your recommendation for guests, so that the program content is as relevant to your experience and as useful as it possibly can be. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com and you can reach Nancy at n-s-a-x-t-o-n-l-o-p-e-z at csmpc.com. All this information is in the description below the, the mm -hmm. broadcast. We also would like you to know that the program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Mass. Dakin is a linchpin program in Western Massachusetts for the care of and, and shelter of animals and does a huge amount of work that helps to connect people and animals and provide all kinds of different kinds of support. You can learn more about Dakin at D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. And I also would like you to know that Dakin sponsors a Zoom pet loss support meeting that I facilitate once a month. It is generally on the first Tuesday, I'm sorry, the second Tuesday of the month, the second Tuesday of the month from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And the next one will be on October 11th. And you can see a link on the description here, or you can just go to dakinhumane.org programs and RSVP for that next one. It's October 11th and there is no cost. So this is something that Dakin offers to the community and you don't have to be in Massachusetts. You can be anywhere in the world and you can join us. Mm -hmm. You can support our program by giving a gift to us directly through Venmo. We certainly appreciate it. And we certainly don't 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 suggest that you do that unless you can definitely afford it. We do this program because we want to be helpful and, and we're not making a profit off it. <laughs> and uh, also, if you are so inclined, you can subscribe on YouTube. And I do ask that if you are going to listen to the program, benefit from it, that perhaps you would do that mm -hmm. because what happens with YouTube, as you're probably aware, is the more subscriptions there are, the higher it it is likely to come up on the list of resources on YouTube that people who are searching for pet loss support will find. So if you're so inclined to subscribe, we certainly appreciate that. We think that it will bring the program to the attention of even more people who may benefit. Mm -hmm. And so 
I'll stop there. I think that's enough of an introduction, don't you think, Nancy? It's fine. Um, we've had a lot of activity um, yeah, with quite a few emails that have been coming in, which we really, really appreciate. Um, again, we do believe that writing your story uh, is not only cathartic for you, but also in reading your story, if you allow us to do that, is very helpful for everyone who listens. Because, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of resources. And this podcast, and we're very appreciative to those who are listening and really are helped by this, because this is our labor of love. And this is what we want to do to help those who are suffering and grieving their animals, their companion animals, to be able to have, you know, some support with that. So the first, we have a story um, from Colleen and about Mocha, her cat. Um, and in this case, um, something, you know, was going on with Mocha, but um, her partner was not able to be there during a, a crisis, I believe. So, so it was just not just the loss of the cat or what the cat was going through, Colleen being alone, her partner, you know, being away. Um, and that also was very, you know, you know, challenging, you know, it was very upsetting. So I'm going to read her email. Dear Nancy and Ken, first off, thank you so much for your beautiful and thoughtful podcast. I came across it the day I had to let my little mocha go while looking for resources to get support. I have found your listener stories and the insights you share with your expertise and own experience so moving and helpful. I would love to share my story with you and your audience as it helps to write it all down and I love to share Mocha with others. She was such a special girl. My partner and I had to say goodbye to our sweet cat Mocha just a couple of weeks ago. She was 12 years old, but had only recently developed some health issues. We took her and her older sister, Sally, for an annual checkup in July, where it was discovered that Mocha had anemia. With further blood testing, they realized she had non-regenerative anemia, which caused concern. After that was an ultrasound which showed thickness in her small intestine, and we were informed this would indicate either IBD or cancer. Ugh, a very tough realization. Our other cat, Sally, is 15, three years older than Mocha, and has early kidney disease. So we were anticipating having to hear news about Sally and never even thought Mocha had a problem. She had been somewhat quieter, taking more naps lately, but we attributed that to her age and the heat. So it was quite a shock to hear she either had a chronic health issue or cancer. We live in New York City and getting appointments is challenging, but we were able to get her seen by a specialist and he said an endoscopy should give us the answer to what was ailing her. The pathologist looked at the sample taken from the endoscopy and told us he was 90% sure it was lymphoma. We were, of course, devastated, but they wanted to send the sample to an out-of-state lab to get a conclusive answer, which was going to take a couple weeks. Then late on a Saturday night, the specialist let us know they now thought it was inflammation and not cancer. We were thrilled and breathed a sigh of relief. 
we started her on a new diet and steroids to treat the IBD. But then in early September, while my partner was out of the country on a trip, which he only took because we thought dear Mocha had IBD, a manageable illness, Mocha started acting strange. Her energy level got very low. She wasn't eating a lot. And on, Wednesday, on a Wednesday, I started to notice her pupils were very dilated the entire day. By Thursday, her pupils were still very wide and didn't shrink when I shone light on them. I then saw her stumble into the walls and she was acting confused. So I decided to take her to the ER. While there, they gave me the news that she had gone suddenly blind. I won't go into every detail, but over the course of three days, Mocha had a kidney injury, a big drop in red blood cells, low blood pressure, as well as a lingering cold we assumed was due to the steroid treatment. They told us she would need a blood transfusion. At this point, it felt to both my partner and I, who I had been communicating with via phone, that she was deteriorating to a point that we couldn't let it go on. We got on a three-way call with a vet, me and my partner in Europe, to ask if the blood transfusion would give my partner the opportunity to see her as she was coming home the next day. We also wanted to make sure that she wasn't in any pain. The vet assured us she was not in pain and said she had hope with the transfusion. Sure enough, I got the report that after the transfusion, she perked up, was purring, and asking for belly rubs. We were very happy. But then at 7 a.m. the next morning, the vet called to let me know that while the transfusion seemed to work, her lungs and heart started failing and that it would be the most humane decision to let her go. I had to call my partner who was at the airport on her way home to say that she wasn't going to make it and I would need to put her down before she got back. It was so hard but we, of course, knew it was the right thing to do. I made it to the hospital, and I'm so glad I got to be with her as she made her way to the Rainbow Bridge. It had been so hard for my partner and I these last couple weeks. She's feeling guilty that she wasn't there, and we are both feeling a little guilty about giving her that blood transfusion rather than letting her go then. It was a bit selfish on our parts, as we both wanted to say goodbye. But we did the best we could, and in the end, we helped ease her pain rather than trying to continue to put her through tests and procedures for our benefit. One thing that has been difficult is that our other cat, Sally, has exhibited signs of missing her little sister. For a few days, she seemed a little anxious, like she didn't know what to do with herself, and her bathroom habits were slightly altered. I had imagined Mocha in the scenario of losing her sister since she was three years younger than Sally, but never thought Sally would have to deal with this. But she has been so sweet to us and has been a real comfort. She is currently on my lap as I type and is getting back to her old routines. The house is a bit quieter as Mocha was a little chatterbox and we miss her cuddles and utterly sweet charm. We know she is still with us and we have made a little remembrance section of our bookshelf with her ashes, photos, and a paw print. We miss our dear girl and it's odd because I know she's gone, but it's like my mind weirdly forgets why and then it hits me. Mm 
she has died and I won't see her again. But we have our memories with her and loads of videos and pictures. And thankfully, my partner and I are both grieving similarly, so there is no judgment or coldness on that score. Thank you again for your beautiful podcast. I feel like you both just get it, and it is very appreciated. And close is a picture of little sweet Mocha. Where are you? There's Mocha. What a sweet cat. Beautiful eyes. Yeah, I wrote to uh, Colleen and told her that Mocha reminds me so much of um, one of my most special cats whose name was Phoebe. Mm, yeah, um, it looks just like her. Quite a story, right? Quite a story. Quite a story. So one of the things that we see so frequently is this question of, did I do something that was selfish? Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, what they were doing was trying to bolster her and hopefully give her some more time and yeah. maybe get her even to a better level of health and at the same time give time for her for Colleen's partner to get back in order to at least say goodbye if that was going to be the case. And it, it never fails, though, that people who are so conscientious will somehow find a way to ask if they're being selfish, you know, to ask if we're, if we're being selfish. And, and there you see it. It's, yes. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, they went through kind of a short period of time, mm -hmm. you know, when... Mocha was diagnosed, and then they thought the diagnosis was different, and they went through treatment, and all of a sudden, I mean, the partner wouldn't have gone away, right, if right. she was believing, or they both knew that Mocha was sicker than she was, and all of a sudden, it happens, right? Yep. And so when you go through that level of anxiety... Mm -hmm. Because you can't really think straight either, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. don't you don't want your companion animal, your lovely, beautiful animal, to suffer. But you also you're 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 clouded. You're 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 upset. You're anxious. I mean, you want her to be treated. You want her to be well. But you're also struggling with the fact that she's not well, right? Yeah. And that something is going to have to happen. And you start to have to realize that there was there was suffering. Yeah, and, and again, it, I mean, this is very common that mm -hmm. we think that a pet is, is ill, but fairly stable. So they thought she, they were operating under the understanding that she most likely had irritable, irritable bowel right. syndrome disease. or disease right. disorder. Mm -hmm. And that, or inflammatory bowel, I'm not sure exactly, IBD, but, but nothing that was potentially terminal. Dangerous, right. And so, and, you know, we've probably all been there at different times. I know mm -hmm. I've been there. You've been I've there. Been, I know you have. Yeah, I've been on a trip and you think everything's stable and you've done everything that you've been advised to do by the veterinarian. And then, and then your animal's disease goes completely haywire and they die. Well, it happened with you and, and Tim, right? Tim was away. With me, with right. Tim, with, with mm -hmm. Isabel, he was away. Right. It happened with both of us, with Jack. We were both away yeah. and traveling. And there's something particularly sad about that when, you, when you're not able to actually be present. It's, it's oh, great I that know. Colleen was able to be present. And 
you know, it sounds like they're they're doing everything you can do to mm-hmm. to move forward. It's just a, a very, very challenging thing. And I, one of the things I always come back to is we, we there's just great uncertainty. Yes. Like we, we, our animals can't talk to us. No. They we have to we have to go with whatever physiological tests can be done to give the best picture of what might be going on. And, and also even in human beings, oftentimes there's just no, there's no clarity about what the diagnosis is, what the course of illness is going to be. And so we just have to ride along with a huge amount of uncertainty, which is incredibly anxiety producing. Exactly. I mean, even, you know, veterinarians, you know, you know, as well as human doctors, I mean, medicine is not, it is not, you know, known necessarily. I mean, you can make a diagnosis. Obviously, the veterinary make a diagnosis. It's inflammatory, and that's better, obviously, than cancer. Now, all of a sudden, Mocha though went blind. She had kidney issues. I mean, there was a whole bunch of things that they found out. The red blood cell count, I believe, there was yeah, something yeah. that was going on with with her at that moment. Right, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, now. We don't know if we don't know what that was, right? We know. Right. I mean, it, does that sound like lymphoma? I, you know, I'm not sure what the what right, the right. Um, the symptoms or the behaviors are would be with lymphoma. But again, also, our animals don't necessarily talk to us. They don't tell us, right? We and a lot know. of times, they're very, very sick, and they die pretty suddenly, yep, and yep. we we don't know. Yep. You know, yep. they they don't tell us in the wild. They have to be very self-protective. Yep. They, so they're, they're very stoic mm-hmm. until they can't be stoic anymore. Right. And so they're doing the best they can. Their other cat is... Sally. <laughs> Sally is doing... is doing that. She went through a period of distress. It looks sure. like which animals will... Will do. Great, you know, with a lot of regularity. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It kind of depends on their relationship and their temperament. And she's also providing solace to Colleen yes. and her partner. <laughs> yes. Which is what, what they do. I mean, when Isabel died, Abby, I was holding Abigail all the time. And, yeah. And well, you always get, you know, supportive. you do get nervous. If you, if you have more than one pet and one pet dies, yes. yeah. then you're, you're hypervigilant with the other yes. ones, right? With the yep. ones that are alive yep. because you're afraid that they may die too, you yep. know? Yeah, and you start seeing, you worry about every little thing, and right. I've mentioned this. I made Abigail, I made Abigail promise that she would live until she was eighteen, which was two more years, but she couldn't keep that. Promise. She couldn't keep that. <laughs> but that was my way of of in fantasy, sort of putting, making sure that she, that nothing was. We weren't going to have another loss very soon, which of course I know. Was. Yeah, um, and I also love their little memorial. Yes, yeah, they have. Yep. For Mocha, this yep. is very nice. That's great. Yeah. It's such an important thing for many people. It mm-hmm. just helps a lot. Oh, so, we've had remember in the group we had some shrines. People yep. brought in their shrines. Yep. I think. Yep, absolutely. You know? yep. mm-hmm. Which uh, is altar shrine. People fine. call them all kinds of different things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely fine. So we want to thank Colleen for sharing that story with us, and we send kind, loving wishes to her mm-hmm. and her family so that. We know that this is this is still fresh, and so it, it might still be a very fragile time. And we also hope that Sally, you know, 
hangs in there for Sally. Sally's with them for some time. Yeah. So we wanted to, we've gotten a number of stories and, and questions from people. We're going to kind of put these into a, we're, we're going to put them into a brief discussion here about what happens when a relationship breaks up and one person gets custody of a pet and the other one is moving and they're not necessarily going to be able to see that pet. We've had questions about situations where there's roommates and the roommates have a pet together and then one of them moves and is not able to move somewhere where they can take the pet and it's actually moving quite far away and is bereft. And I'll just throw in this other situation that happened recently where a family, including parents and, and young children, adopted a dog. They thought everything was going well. Mm-hmm. And then the, do- the dog who was already part of their family was so aggressive to the newcomer that they decided that they, it wasn't safe to keep mm-hmm. that, that second dog and who, who they had grown to love, as we do very quickly often. And so they had to give the dog back into the shelter system. And, you know, the dog found another home very, very quickly. It was a sweet, very desirable adoptee. But all of these are, they're, they're a loss, but they're not a death. Right. And, and that's interesting because it reminds me of, of a person that I still have, um, I still provide treatment to. Um, and when she came to me some years ago, she had, she has had a dog and, she got another dog mm-hmm. and the new dog did not get along with her first dog. And so eventually it was too much for her, which mm-hmm. carried a tremendous amount of guilt. Mm-hmm. And she was able to find an, a relative that would take the second dog, but she really struggled with that for a year. Yeah. You know, she felt that she, something was wrong with her, so yes. that she wasn't able to make that work. Um, and, and she was able, because it was a family person, you know, she is able to go see the dog, um, once in a while, but it still bothers her when she sees the dog, it brings up, why, why couldn't this work? Yeah. 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 So that, so the, the, sometimes the loss, the, the change is one where there can be visitation. Mm -hmm. Some people separate quite amicably. And in some cases I've actually seen where there is shared custody. Yes. But where there, where there isn't the loss is, is challenging because maybe the person left because they lost the job that they had and they had to take another job and they had to go to another part of the country or another part of the world. And they're really not going to be able to see their beloved animal friend with any frequency or maybe at all, or maybe they are, they are another situation we've seen is their person discovers they're highly allergic. Oh yes. To, That's a, uh, or or a child is highly allergic. Yeah, to one of the yeah, children, right. somebody in the family is incredibly right. allergic and doesn't make sense to try to treat the allergy. Mm-hmm. They really have to rehome the animal and they're really not going to continue or, a relationship. Well, the, the feelings of grief are very, very similar. And one of the things that can be useful for the, the person who is going through this is to just make a story 
that gives meaning to like hold on to the story that gives meaning to the experience. And it can be that, for example, they know that while they're not going to be able to be with this animal, the animal is going to receive excellent care mm -hmm. from the caregiver who will continue to take care of them. And so they can say that, and they can tell, talk about how they were an essential part of this animal's good life for as mm -hmm. long as they were with them. And so, I mean, there's the ways that we create a narrative about our lives help us to, to manage the changes, the big changes that happen. Well, I think that that's important of thinking of situations though, with a, a potentially a divorce mm -hmm. and the divorce mm -hmm. is not amicable. Right. Right. And so, I mean, there was one in the paper some years ago that it took six years because of the dog. You know, the there was because of the dog. Oh, wow. And so, you know, but with that said, who gets, if they're not going to be able to work it out, right. someone's going to get the dog or cat, whatever animal that is. And they may never see that, that animal yeah. again. And so that also is, it's a grief because it's Absolutely. such a loss, yeah. right? Yeah. However, they have, like you said, I think that there is a process that needs to happen knowing that their animal is well taken care of and yeah. will still be loved. And that that can provide solace. And, and then the usual things that we do, we create some sort of uh, memorial, mm -hmm. we create, we might do some writing. Uh, we take the best care of ourselves that we possibly can. And so there are, and, and to me, this also, it just, it just brings to mind that there are many losses of this sort where th there isn't a death, but there's a disconnect. Yeah, disconnect. I mean, I, you know, it was similar to me when I got divorced many years ago, mm -hmm. my first husband and I had a pug mm -hmm. and we had our first pug together and I moved and I was not allowed to bring an animal to this, you know, this place I was living. And so my ex took care of the dog mm -hmm. and I would come and get her on weekends. Uh -huh. So yeah. I, I, you know, I had custody of you her had on time. weekends. Right. And then I had to go different places because I couldn't stay in my house with the dog. So finally, I was able um, to, because I think my ex was kind of doing some other things. So I was able to talk my landlord into having my dog with me. I mean, she was little, she was pug, she was 20 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it finally worked out, but it was stressful. Yeah, You know, I mean, um, not that I didn't trust him to take care of her, but, you know, you were with her, right? And mm -hmm. so, and she's the one that went through a lot of life with me. One was a mm -hmm. divorce, a lot of school, you know, a lot of jobs, different jobs, those kind of things. And so, um, you know, it, I was lucky that mm -hmm. I was able to finally get her with me, have her with me. Um, but it was it was hard, you know. Even even though we needed to to divorce, but um, I can only see her so many so many days a week. Yeah, yeah, and that and that had a a resolution that was mm -hmm. really positive yes, for the two positive. of you. And again, I mean, we lose we lose relationships mm -hmm. in our lives. We you know, it, 
we we lose all sorts of things that are important to us. We lose jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we suffer uh, changes in our in our house when there's some kind of you know. Recently, was working with somebody who's, whose house was destroyed by a flood. Oh dear! And so they yeah. they needed to move, and they were engaged in all sorts of work around fixing that. So that's one of the things I think it's important to just recognize is that loss is something that's very, very common. Uh, every day lives. in some yeah. ways. And, yeah. and, right. and we figure it out and we move forward and we move forward with a broken heart mm-hmm. for a time. And eventually it becomes less and less over a great deal of time or over a short deal of time. It depends on many, many factors, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's useful to just realize that there's just, there are a lot of losses that, that are happening in our lives and will continue to happen. And we're strong enough to, to keep going. Yeah. We have the resilience and sometimes, unfortunately, there are many losses at one time, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yes, I, you know, we have, we need to take care of ourselves. It's difficult, but through that grieving process, because it is grieving, yeah, uh, yeah. that we want to make sure that we do t- try to take care of ourselves the best way we can. Yeah. So we'll we'll close there for today, and we hope that you all are doing well and and taking good care of yourselves through what may be a challenging time for you. Mm-hmm. And we'll look forward to having another conversation next, next week. week. <laughs> take care, everyone.